Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. And at this time, we are going to dismiss our children, our precious little children, <laughs> and the youth. Sorry, yes, the youth are going out. Meet Brother and Sister Johnson out in the foyer, and you will receive further instructions from there. Amen. Ushers are passing out a handout for everyone for tonight. Amen. How's everyone doing tonight? Everybody surviving? Thank you. Thriving and surviving. Do what? Who did not get a handout yet? Raise your hand if you do not have a handout. And you will get one. Amen. Pastor is at our um, district conference every year. They meet up um, all the ministers in Maryland and D.C., all the uh, UPCI pastors, ministers, and they have board meetings, which are really boring, and <laughs> that's why I'm not there. <laughs> um, but he is there, so be praying for him that he will survive that. Um, Actually, oh, I probably can't say that. I'll have to tell you later. There's a vote happening about him, but I can't tell you. So just pray that the Lord's will be done. <laughs> he, he took his campaign signs. I'm totally kidding. He did not take any campaign signs. <laughs> Amen. All right. Everybody have a handout? All right. Good deal. All right. We're going to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And it's on your paper, so, and I put it on the screen as well. And we've been, we've been talking about family. We've done a lot of digging into, how many of you enjoyed the DISC assessment teaching and things that we did there? How many of you learned something new about yourself? Yeah, I did. And sometimes it was painful. Some things were good. I was like, yeah, that's good. But there were a lot of things that were like, oh, that's bad. <laughs> I need to fix that. Um, but I enjoyed it. Also, it helps you kind of understand your the people that's living in your house a little bit better. How many of you, I know your kids may not have taken it, but as you were going through it, you were going, oh, that's so-and-so or that's so-and-so. I was doing that. The only one of my kids that hasn't taken it is Dakota. And so I'm not exactly sure. She, she's 13 and a girl, so she might be all four of them. <laughs> she's all of them at once. <laughs> you never know. Um, but anyways, I've really enjoyed our Wednesday nights. Um, just It's a time to come together and just kind of dig into some things, some practical things. And tonight we're going to talk about something that is super important. Um, and it goes for your family. It goes for your work environment, if you work on the job, it goes for spouses, any relationship in your life, these principles are good for. So let's just look real quick at Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses seven through 10. 
Um, he says, and again, I saw something mean. I'm reading from the NIV, by the way. So if you're following along in your Bible, that's a King James. It's going to look different. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was, there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? He was lonely, basically. He's like, why am I doing all this by myself? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Verse 9 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And if you go on to verse 12, it goes on to say that three are even better. And for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you in my life. You weren't meant to do this on your own. And I have a, a, a short little video that's going to help kind of bring this point. If you could go ahead and play that, Sister Simone. Hi, I'm Johnny. And I'm Chachi. We're Get In Here Ministries. And you know, Chachi and I, we couldn't be more excited about the idea of teamwork. And today we're going to take the idea of teamwork and paint you a beautiful picture through the medium of music. Yeah. Take it away, Johnny. Okay. <clears throat> You know, hearing Johnny sing by himself is rather putrid and boring. It's amazing what happens when you add others to the mix. Check this out. You know, through modern technology, we're even able to do this. I'll tell you, though, about teamwork. You know, it's less about me and more about we. Let me kick a harmony. Hi there. We all know the old saying that there's no I in team, but there's also no selfish hypocrisy in team either. Let me throw a dato in the mix. You know, when people say no man is an island, I used to think, of course no man is a piece of land surrounded by a body of water. <laughs> but then I realized what they mean. I think I get it. Somebody once said that none of us is as smart as all of us. And I don't really know what that means, but I know I like it. Now watch me break out something special. You know, I think we've made some pretty good points about teamwork and the value therein of it. And if teamwork were a person, I'd love them as all get out. <laughs> I think we made good. some headway on I love that. It. Pretty good. Man, awesome. 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 I love it. You know what I'm saying? I love it. Yeah, you're like good. That. Yeah. You know what I mean by that? Right. Is it me? It's not about me. It's about we. <laughs> I love that. I love it. And I, it kind of, I've heard a phrase before that says, we is better than me. So that's our new thing for Wednesday nights, all right? We is better than me. <laughs> Okay. We're not throwing gang signs, just so everybody knows. I wouldn't even know gang sign if I saw one. I'd be like, oh, hey, <laughs> what's up? 
and then get shot. So anyway, <laughs> that's why it's just better not to throw gang signs. Anyway, that's nothing to do with our lesson tonight. Um, I mean, it could because it could really damage a relationship. But anyway, so we're going to talk about healthy relationships. Um, speaking of relationships, um, I am so excited and happy to have my mom here. She is with us this week, and I'm thankful for her. And today we stopped at the church and Brother Johnson, the first thing he said to her was, it's good to see you and I would need you to make some of your queso for me. So <laughs> she's already got a list of things that she's got to make while she's here. Uh, but I'm glad she's here. She, she came to see Dakota in her play that she's in this weekend. So y'all pray. Whew. I will be glad when Annie is over. That's all I'm going to say, and I don't ever want to hear any songs from Annie ever again. Uh, but anyway, so but we're going to talk a little bit about relationships. I'm going to give you some principles, and whether that relationship that you kind of might have in your head right now is a friendship, it could be a marriage, it could be a sibling relationship. Um, Brother Johnson, or somebody preached, who preached Sunday about sibling rivalry? Who said something about that? His brother Andre teaching. That's right. That's right. Because you had a picture of Khadijah up there and she was trying to pull your arm off. Yeah. So, um, so we could really go all into sibling rivalry. Um, one time my brother threw um, a battery at me, a D battery. So, and so I chucked a shoe back at him. So anyway, you know, it's survival of the fittest and here I am today. Um, so I've survived, but so it could be a sibling relationship. It could be a parent child relationship, but the fact is whatever relationship it is, we can go further and usually arrive to our destination quicker when we are engaged in a healthy relationship. Say that with me, a healthy, that's the key word is healthy relationships. So how do we ensure that we are pursuing and engaging in healthy relationships? Now, many times we enter into relationships for what they can do for us, right? Because just we're, as human beings, we're selfish. That's just a fact of life. And so a lot of times when we look at someone, we look at them for what they can do for me. How can that person make my life better? If I'm going to enter into a friendship with this person, are they going to be good for me? And if I'm going to enter into a dating relationship with somebody, is that person going to be good for me? And that's obviously a, a good thing to think about. But a healthy relationship goes both ways. So they make my li life better, but I'm also working really hard to make their life better. We live in such a selfish society. It's all about me, 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 me. And so we've got to be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to put the effort, the work into making this person's life better and helping them. And that makes a really healthy relationship. I know that, you know, each of my daughters, aside from Dakota, because we're not there yet, but they've all crafted a wish list for their future husbands. Um, they made these lists, I don't know, Brooke, probably when they were 15, 16, something like that. I told them, I said, all right, I want you to sit down, and when you think about the man that you want to marry, I want you to put on this list what, what kind of attributes and characteristics you want, and be very specific. If you want him to have blonde hair, put it on there. You know, it's not, obviously, that's not a deal breaker, but just put your desires on there, because God cares about the desires of your heart. So they made 
their list and they made a list of the qualities and attributes that they hope to find now all three of them are actively dating people right now and everything's working out so far so good <laughs> so that list has been helpful but i definitely encourage them to do that but because i'm a firm believer in the fact that if you don't know what you want you're going to end up with something that you don't want <laughs> you're going to find out real quick Ooh, yeah don't want that and if you wait until you're married to that person, guess what? You're stuck. <laughs> and you gotta figure out how to want that <laughs> or pray that God changes them. Um, but they, by doing that, by making a list, and I know many of you are married, so don't start making lists. <laughs> Okay, your list is done. There's no more list. You're married to this person. You don't get to make a wish list. <laughs> that is bad. We will have counseling after church if you have done that. Um, but if you are not yet married, this really is, it's, it's demonstrating a principle um, in the process of identifying these core relationships in your life. And it's good to know what you want. You don't want to just stumble. I hate the term fall in love. Like I was just walking one day and this person walked in front of me and I just fell into them. I just fell into love. It just sounds careless. Love is a choice that I'm making. I'm making a commitment to love this person and that's not an accidental thing, right? So, I mean, if you, I know that's a term we all use. Everybody says, oh, I fell in love. Oh, you chose, you made a decision. I'm gonna love this person. I like them, I wanna spend the rest of my life with them, whatever it may be. So, the mindset of having a keen sense of those that will form the inner circle of our lives and the closest companions, that's a wise thing to do because this is a fact right here. Who we are is the product of those that we surround ourselves with. Has your parents, when you were younger, ever said, choose your friends wisely because you are who you hang around and guilty by association, ever, anyone ever gotten in trouble just because you were friends with the wrong person and you're at the wrong place at the wrong time? We've all probably been guilty of that. But I do believe there is another side of the coin that we probably don't explore as often or with very much intention. And there's a... a a uh, story in the Bible in the Gospel of Mark that kind of frames this this principle and in this story there's a man that has a withered hand it's in Mark chapter 3 and a deeper study tells us that his hand had likely one of his hands had been damaged through either an injury or a sickness at some point in his life and Jesus tells the man he says stretch forth the withered hand stretch forth your hand and then he performs an incredible incredible miracle of healing and he makes the man's hand whole. And obviously that's amazing, that's a, it's a supernatural miraculous deal and it, it is great, but in, in one phrase that defines the level of healing that applies, that Jesus applies to the man's hand holds a really profound truth. The Bible says that Jesus made the withered hand as whole as the other. So in other words, Jesus didn't bring healing to the man's hand to a point of strength that was greater than or less, less than his other hand. There was balance. They were equal. And in a relationship, if it's going to be healthy, there's got to be balance. There's got to be equal effort putting in, okay? Because God is a God of balance. And he's not in the business of doing a miracle work that would leave us out of balance. 
So how does this apply to having a healthy relationship? Well, many times we make out our dream list. We make out our dream list of what, what our best friend should look like, what our future spouse should look like, what the perfect job would look like, the best children. This is what I want my children to be. This is how I saw something the other day. So I said, as soon as you say, my child would never do that, they start nevering like they've never nevered before. <laughs> I sent it to my husband. I was like, if this ain't the truth, when your kids are literally like, they will never, my children will never act like that. And literally, you will take one breath and there they go nevering like they've never nevered. I laughed so hard at that. It was so great. But you can make a list. This is how I want my kids to be. This is this and that's all well and good. That's that's good. But the real question is, are we developing ourselves to be compatible with our dream list? So you make a list, but you don't do anything to make yourself compatible with that person. Or you don't, you know, you want the perfect child, but you're not willing to make some adjustments as a parent and recognize that there may be some things that you're doing wrong as a parent that you need to adjust. It's not going to be a healthy relationship. If it's all on the child to make all the changes, or it's all on your spouse to make all the changes, or whatever the relationship is, it's not going to be a healthy uh, relationships. If the perfect spouse that you've dreamed about stepped into your world, would the relationship be in balance? Are you something that they would be looking for? All right. If you had, you know, this idea of what, what the best friend would be like, the way that they would treat you, um, would you want to be your best friend? Think about that. The way that you are a friend, would you want to be your best friend? Would you want to marry you? <laughs> or would you want to stay married to you? That's probably a good question to ask too. Would you want to parent you? It's <laughs> a good one. I know I'm digging deep right now and I'm like, nope. <laughs> My mom is here. She can do it. She's done a great job. I'll let her continue to do it. Here's one. Would you want to pastor you? <laughs> I love all of you. We love all of you. But if the five friends that would challenge you, encourage you, strengthen and sharpen you, formed your inner circle, would you do the same in return for them? I'm going to talk about ensuring some things in the coming weeks that, um, about relationships, but mainly about dealing with some things within us. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about being healthy emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and physically. So be ready. I'm not talking about those tonight. <laughs> I'm giving you a fair warning. I'm going to talk about some of these things because it is absolutely impossible for you to have a healthy relationship if you are not healthy in those areas. If you are a hot mess in any of those areas, it's impossible for you to invest in having a healthy relationship. And I've, I've talked to people before and they're like, I don't understand why this certain person is not coming into my life. And I, you know, I'm ready for marriage and I'm ready for this or that. And I'm like, okay, but what are you doing to make sure you're something that someone else would want? Okay. So, Healthy relationships begin by developing and discovering yourself. And we've done a lot of that. We've discovered, I know when we did the DISC assessment, we discovered some things about ourselves. But we're going to continue on that because I think that that's important 
um, that we don't get so self-centered that we expect everyone else to move mountains around us and to be our everythings, but we can't be anything for anyone. All right, so we've got to really get out of that self-centered mentality. Um, but having that having healthy relationships requires us to develop ourselves. We're not going to lament, you know, it's, it's about looking at what we need to change about ourselves, not looking at, at the people around us and saying, well, if they were better, I would be better. If my spouse would just do this, then I would be a much more pleasant person. Or if my children would act right, I could put a smile on my face at church. <laughs> or whatever, fill in the blank. Um, but that's not what we're gonna focus on, all right? We're gonna develop some attributes within ourselves that would make us wanna be, some, be friends with ourselves. <laughs> I know that sounds weird. It's like, I'm my own best friend. But, so not simply, I like this statement. Somebody said, don't just simply pray for Prince Charming to come galloping into your life, but ensure that when he shows up, the glass slipper fits your foot. Okay, if you've ever seen Cinderella, those ugly stepsisters, they have to curl their, I mean, their feet were massive. Either they had massive feet or Cinderella wore like a size three shoe. I mean, their feet, they were, it was so obvious that the shoe did not fit. It's like, come on, girls, just give it up. So I would say that the starting point to define a healthy relationship would be a relationship that is mutually beneficial mutually being the key word. So we're gonna talk about seven characteristics of a healthy relationship. And as you evaluate the relationships in your life, I want you to ask if these characteristics are present, okay? So we're gonna do some really tough, you know, examining of some of the relationships. And if, if these characteristics are not there, don't write the relationship off, but see, okay, how can, obviously, if you're married and we come to one of these, don't get up and be like, hey, we're done, <laughs> okay? First of all, it'd be super awkward if you did that like right now, so really don't do that, but you know, where, how can we make this work? What, what are some adjustments that I need to make? And hopefully your spouse is saying, what are some adjustments I need to make and to make this work? So number one, the relationship needs to be inspirational. Inspirational. You need relationships that inspire you toward greatness. Amen? Hopefully the friends in your life or the spouse in your life is not inspiring you to be a loser. Okay, that's not, that's really bad. If they encourage you to, you know, stay home and sit on the couch, eat potato chips and play PlayStation all day long. We need to work on some things, <laughs> okay? Um, but friends and individuals that are closest to you should be pushing you to be better, and you should be okay with that. You should have people in your life who are saying, hey, what, you know, I've seen people you say, hey, you want to work out with me? What, you think I'm fat? <laughs> no, I'm just, I mean, I, you know, I think it would be good for us to maybe get a little exercise. Okay, husbands, be very careful with that one. I'm just saying, okay? Just be super, the way you word it is everything. <laughs> All right, just be really careful. But inspiring them to be great, inspiring them to be everything that God created them to be. They should be challenging you, and you should be challenging them, again, without there being an offense there. 
Sometimes we get so sensitive that if somebody in our life kind of says, hey, maybe, you know, this is something we need to work on, and you buck up and you just can't handle it and you stomp off and slam the door, you need to, you need to think about that, okay? And it, it goes back, and I talked about it when we talked about the trust thing. When you trust that relationship and you trust the person in your life that they mean well for you, you can take correction from them a little bit better and you can ch take a challenge from them a little bit better. But you need to be inspirational. Don't expect your spouse, friend, boyfriend, girlfriend, etc., whatever, fill in the blank, to be the only one inspiring in the relationship. It is a mutual, say mutual, benefit. <clears throat> Relationships that promote lethargic and stagnation lifestyles are not healthy. Relationships that suppress the pursuit of our potential are a wet blanket on our dreams and are not healthy. If you are friends with somebody who every time you have a great idea or, you know, you say, you know, I was thinking about going back to school and they're like, what? You're like so old. You would, that would be terrible. That's a terrible idea. I mean, that's probably not a good friend. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, find new friends. But you should be inspiring the people in your life, and, and especially in a spouse relationship, marriage relationship, you should be inspiring one another to draw closer to Jesus, not draw further away from Jesus. You should be saying, hey, let's go to church together, or hey, you want to do a devotional together, or do you want to sit down and read our Bible together, or talk about this? We should be inspiring one another in the areas that are going to make us what God created us to be. Amen? Number two, Mutual trust, and I already hit on that a little bit, but for a healthy relationship, there must be mutual trust. That you trust one another, that you don't have to worry if you confide in them that everyone else is going to find out about it or it's going to end up on Facebook. You, you, that you can confide in a friend or a husband or wife or whoever it is that you can talk about some of your weaknesses and your struggles and you don't have to worry that someone else is going to go, hey, I heard you're struggling with this. That's a terrible way to find out somebody's been talking about you. But put, being able to put confidence in one another and you need to be trustworthy to where they can also come to you and not have to worry that it's going to end up in someone else's ears. Okay, so it's, it's that whole mutual thing. Because when you confide in somebody, and we've probably all have been burnt in this area at some point in our life, most likely fifth grade. I mean, usually this kind of stuff happens in middle school, elementary school. The other day, Dakota told me, you know, there's so much drama in middle school. And she said, Mom, I, you know, I think I'm just going to wait. And high school is going to be better because they don't have drama in high school. <laughs> I laughed out loud, like L-O-L. I laughed out loud. And my husband goes, honey, the Greek word for high school is drama. <laughs> and she's like, but it seems like at school, the high schoolers don't have drama. I'm like, baby, oh, you have no idea. Bless your little innocent, naive heart. But finding out that, you know, people have been telling your, your secret, you know, right now it's who has a crush on who in middle school, you know, and that's like, you don't tell. And I told her, I told her, I said, if you think a boy is cute, don't tell anybody. For the love of God, don't tell anybody. And she's like, no, mom, I can trust them. 
few weeks later, she gets in the car, and guess what? Mom, he knows that I think he's cute. I was like, I hate to say it, but I told you so. <laughs> so she's learning that lesson. We've all been there, and unfortunately, it's probably happened in our adult lives as well. But making sure that there is that trust level there, that you can go to somebody, they can come to you. And again, I, I think it's very important that we remember that I can be somebody who's trustworthy. I'm worthy to be trusted. All right. Um, number three, mutually encouraging. This is you're able to pick one another up when one or the other has fallen. Ecclesiastes, we read it at the beginning. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone falls alone, then they're in real trouble. A healthy relationship is beneficial because when we fall, we've got somebody to help us up. So I told you all a few weeks ago that I was running a 10K. Well, I did it Saturday. And my husband, he did it with me mainly because he just wanted to do it with me, right? And uh, so I'm giving him super big shout out right now. So please tell him I said this because <laughs> he's probably not watching as they have church at district conference. So be sure you tell him, say your wife was really just because I need the brownie points. So, um, but he ran with me. And when we started, I said, babe, don't, you don't have to stay with me. Like just run. He's much faster. His legs are longer and he runs faster. He's better in shape. And so I was like, just run. Don't wait for me. I will see you later tonight. I was like, just go. And so, um, so he starts running with me. I walked the first. So what I did, I started out kind of warming up. I walked the first quarter mile and then I started jogging. And anyway, and he starts jogging with me. And I was like, honey, really, you can run. He goes, no, I'm here for you. I was like, oh, so sweet. And so we still were running. Well, then there was a moment when I was struggling. It was mile five. And I was like, five is good enough. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is the farthest I've ran. So let's call it a day. And we're going up a hill. It was not a huge hill. And I was really struggling to make it up. And all of a sudden, I feel his hand on my back. And he's literally like pushing me up <laughs> And so at first, I was kind of like, oh. and then I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And so I started running faster because then my competitiveness kicked in. And I was like, I can't be weak because I'm a D, you know, and us Ds, we cannot be weak. And so I'm like, I don't need you to push me. I've got this. And so I started running, but he stayed with me the whole 6.2 miles, did not leave my side. And the whole time he's like, come on, you got this, you got this. And I'm like, wait, I need a break. He's like, no, come on, you, you've got, I mean, the whole time, it was like my own little personal cheerleading squad right next to me. Um, yeah, so let's give him a hand, even though he's not here. <laughs> he did really good. <laughs> the deal is he's really competitive too. So I was... I was really surprised. I could tell at the end though, he kind of wanted to cross the finish line before me because I mean, literally it was the last 10th of a mile and he starts speeding up and I'm like, I think he wants to make sure he finishes first. And I was like, oh no, he's not. So, anyway, he said, well, I'm gonna run ahead so that I can get a video of you crossing the finish line. I was like, 
Okay, that was nice. That was a nice way to put it. <laughs> but he was so encouraging. And it honestly made me look at myself because I am really competitive. I don't know that I would have done the same thing. Like, I would have been like, see you later. I, you know, I'm just so competitive. Y'all pray for me. I could blame it on being a D, but I said we're not allowed to use that as justification for bad behavior. So, but in a healthy relationship, you you're mutually encouraging. You are each other's number one fan, and when you see that in a in a spouse, you you should not be you know your spouse's biggest discourager. You know, <laughs> you shouldn't be the one that's pointing out all their flaws. They know their flaws, trust me. We look in the mirror every day. <laughs> we know, okay, we're our own biggest critic. We don't need a spouse helping us <laughs> in that area. So being a voice of encouragement to in a friendship as well. And that's, you know, I've, I have been in friendships before um, that there wasn't that, uh, you know, we would sit and have coffee and you don't know anybody, so stop trying to guess who I went and had coffee with that this happened. Um, but we would have coffee, and, you know, I was looking forward to it somewhat. The introvert part of me, as y'all know, was not super hyped about it. But you go and you have coffee, and you're kind of looking forward to getting some things off your chest and, you know, just kind of being able to be vulnerable with, with somebody. <clears throat> and when you sit down, it becomes all about them. Anyone ever been there? Um, <clears throat> so those, that's not a fun place to be in. When you sit, you know, I've, I have been there, and especially, um, and this is just me being super transparent, after my dad died, I was really struggling with some things, and I wanted to talk to somebody. And my husband was a great encourager, but I, I wanted a kind of a friend, you know, like just a, a girl friend that we could sit and just talk and I could just unload. And so I had coffee with somebody and I was thinking, okay, that's what this is going to be because they knew that I was going through something. And so I figured that that's what the conversation would go. That's how it would go. And it did not <laughs> go. Um, it started off with, and, and then I felt bad. I was like, well, I'm being really selfish right now, you know, and I just let them talk and they, they talked about all the things going on in their life and all the great things happening in their life. And I kind of hinted at needing, have you ever done that where you're kind of throwing out a subtle hint that you need to talk? <laughs> well, they didn't get the hint. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's just talk about you and I'm just going to go home. So, and I was fine. I mean, I, it was fine. But be that person. When you go to spend time with somebody, don't do all the talking. Let them talk. Let them kind of air some of their things. And hopefully it's that mutual to where, you know, finally they stop and then you can kind of <laughs> say, yeah, that's, you know, that's great. Let me kind of tell you where I'm at in life right now. But being an encur encouraging mutually, okay? Um, if, if somebody's having to constantly encourage you, but you never do the encouraging, that's not a healthy relationship. In the Bible, the friendship of David and Jonathan their friendship is such, a, such an example of that. Um, if you don't know the story of David and Jonathan, Jonathan was the heir to the throne. He should have been the next king, but David became the king because God had anointed David to be the king. 
And you know what Jonathan did? He was loyal. He, it didn't ruin their friendship. He was David's biggest fan. He encouraged David. He loved David. And in return, David loved Jonathan. And when Jonathan died, David blessed Jonathan's heirs and blessed his family because there was a mutual, a mutual encouraging part of their relationship there. Number four, communication. That's a tough one. We could literally, in fact, I am going to be doing, um, in a few weeks, I'm going to be doing a lesson on communication. We're going to be talking about the three different types of communication. There's assertive, passive, and then passive aggressive. <laughs> and we're going to kind of dig into all three of those types of communication. You can kind of figure out where you are on how you usually, and ways to fix it if you're the passive aggressive, the sarcastic one. I know, not me either, Sister Angelita. Never. <laughs> but how we can kind of learn to communicate better with one another and with people around us. But in a healthy relationship, there has got to be open communication. Many relationships have the smallest part of communication down, and that's the talking part. But the biggest part is listening. The part of a relationship of communication that gets the greatest emphasis but really makes up the smallest percentage is the talking. Most rela relationships we are in, we can talk and talk and talk and talk. And most of the time when someone else is talking, we're waiting for them to stop so that we can start talking some more. <laughs> and if we, we kind of identified our eyes in the room who love to talk. <laughs> Last, when we did the disc assessment, I have an eye in my house. Actually, I have two eyes that are in my home. I won't tell you who they are. And they are talkers. I think um, by 10 a.m., they've reached that 10,000 words a day thing. <laughs> Like, I mean, they just, they are ready to roll. They get up out of bed, ready to just, and I need time. You know, when I get up in the morning, I want my coffee and I want it quiet. I don't want to have any conversations. Let me get through my coffee because I'll be probably more pleasant. Just let me get through my cup of coffee. Let me just kind of figure out my day. And then we can have a slow conversation. <laughs> you know, we can kind of ease into it. But the two eyes in my house, they wake up and they're like, hey, mom, so. And then I start getting a nervous twitch. Anyway, we're working on it. And I'm trying to figure out how do I tell them because they're an eye. Eyes are people, people. <laughs> and they are totally crushed if they feel like you are criticizing them. And so I'm trying to figure out how do I, how do I say this? <laughs> without hurting her feelings that I need a minute. I haven't figured it out yet. Y'all, if you have any ideas, text me. Let me know. Just text me exactly what to say, and I will literally read it. <laughs> I will say, hey, so-and-so, okay? We'll just try that, see if it works. But the part of communication that we struggle in a lot is listening. If there's going to be a healthy relationship, there has to be mutual communication. That's sharing information and receiving information, okay? So there's the talking and there's the listening. Listening is such an important element of communication within a healthy relationship. 
when we listen to mentors, when we listen to learn, when we listen in the context of healthy relationships, we are listening with empathy, listening for ways that we can be a help to somebody. We're listening for ways that we can be a strength to somebody. We're listening for ways that we can affirm their ideas that that friend has or that confidant has, helping to encourage them and strengthen them. So when they're talking, and I kind of mentioned this, uh, I don't remember when, <clears throat> one of the lessons I've done about being sure you're listening when your children are talking to you about a problem and then repeat what they said. Say, so what you're saying is, Hannah told all the kids that you had a crush on <laughs> so-and-so, right? And that's what's going on. And that reaffirms to them that you heard what they said. And it's really a simple thing to do. And I know it sounds like, you know, this psychoanalytical stuff, but it really is helpful because then you, they have confidence, okay, they're listening to me. They care about what I'm going through. Even though I laugh, you know, kind of not in front of her. But to me, you know, this, this issue in middle school, I'm like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, she'll forget about it next week, literally. <laughs> and so, but in that moment, it's super real to her. The, the chaos and the fear that this boy knows that she thinks he's cute, you know, just is so terrible. And if I were to say, really, that's the dumbest thing, Dakota. Are you kidding me? I mean, grow up, <laughs> you know, that would be super hurtful. And guess what? She's not going to come to me with stuff anymore. She'll find someone else to go to. And I don't want that. I want her to come to me with her problems because I know all the answers. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't. But I trust my answers more than anybody else and my husband, obviously. But whenever they're talking and that person is talking to you, you are working through, okay, how can I help them? How can I encourage them through this? What are some words I can say back to them to make them feel safe or make them feel encouraged and uh, cheered up or whatever the case may be? But that's part of that, that healthy relationship is we're, we're not listening so that we can argue back. We're listening so that we can, okay, how can I help them? Does that make sense? All right, number five. Super important one, honesty, honesty. I think all the other attributes that we've talked about, inspiring, trusting, encouraging, communication, they all tie together in honesty. Because if there's not honesty, there won't be communication, there won't be trust, no one will encourage one another because you won't know if they're lying or not. So honesty is really a huge part of this. It's the cornerstone really of a relationship. <clears throat> Where there is an absence of honesty, there is unhealthiness. There are some relationships where we don't feel that we can be honest because that trust level isn't there. And so some of those really, you, you need to be able to know who, because I've, you know, I've had to tell my girls through the years, girls, don't tell everybody everything, okay? Everybody may be a friend Okay, but be very careful about who you tell what you tell. Okay, and that goes for us grown-ups as well. I know some of us just want to tell everybody all our business, and then it comes back to bite us real bad. But be very careful, and this is where a spirit of discernment can be really beneficial. And that's a prayer that I pray all the time. God, give me discernment. First of all, I want to know if somebody's lying to me. 
I used to pray that all the time. My girls would freak out. It's great. Parents, you should use that. They're like, okay, well, I'm going to go pray, and God's going to let me know if, he's, if you're lying or not. And they're like, Whew. but you have to actually pray because they will call your bluff, <laughs> okay? So you got to actually pray, God, tell me the truth, all right? But be very careful who you tell the things in your life, especially especially really personal stuff, okay? And that's one reason I think Facebook is so dumb sometimes. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. It's because people just, today, today I read this post. I read it to my mom and somebody we both know, y'all don't know. She's from a different universe. Um, but I mean, she just poured out. She said, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm just, and she said, I've been sober for 20 years and I'm not ashamed to say that I drank today. And I'm like, oh my Lord. She goes, and I don't even care that I am uh, fell off the wagon. And I'm like, man, somebody needs to take away her internet access. <laughs> I mean, it, because guess what? In the moment, she's angry. Whatever happened, I mean, she, it's a whole book. And so whatever happened, she's angry about it. But guess what? Next week, she's going to be really regretting <laughs> all of that she just put that out there. And the drama that it just probably created in her life is probably unreal. It sounds like it's a drama-filled life anyways, and we're going to pray for her. But just be careful what you're putting out there, okay? Use discernment. And, and ask God to send, if, if you right now are feeling like, well, I don't really have somebody that I can go to with all of this stuff. If you're going through things and I just don't feel like I have that relationship with anyone right now, pray and ask God to send you someone. And I know a lot of times we're like, well, just take it to the Lord. And yes, yes, you do. But sometimes we need somebody that we can literally see and just have a conversation with. And I, I've told my girls before, Cameron went through a time one time, um, and she's talked about it publicly, so I'm not telling her business, but she went through a time where she was very lonely. And if you know Cameron, she loves her friends. She's very, she's very people-oriented. And so, and she went through a time where her best friend moved away, and she really didn't have anybody that she could just go and hang out with and be herself. And it was really, really weighing on her. I mean, she would cry about it and it was very, it was a real deal. <clears throat> and, um, and she was a teenager and teenagers need friends. And even though in my mind, I'm like, what do you need? What do you need friends for? You know, it's like, you know me anyway. And she's like, mom, we're not all like you. I need people in my life. And, and so, <laughs> Um, it was a real thing. So I told her, I said, Cameron, I want you to pray. And I want you to ask God, God, send me somebody that I can, that can be a confidant, somebody that I can just be myself with and go to them. And she started praying. And sure enough, God moved a new family into town that started coming to the church at that time. And she had, there was a, they had a daughter that was her age and they hooked up and became 
they just became great, great friends. So God cares about those things. And, and if that is where you are right now, pray and ask God to send somebody, somebody that you can trust that all these characteristics that we're talking about, you want to make a list, use this list I'm giving you. All right, God, I need them to be honest. I need them to be encouraging and inspirational, all the things. And God will do that for you because he cares. He cares about those things in your life. All right. So if you don't have the ability to be honest, it's a sure sign that you're not in a healthy relationship. Obviously, the other part of that is an in integrity, integrity. And that is if somebody doesn't have the ability to be honest, they just simply can't tell the truth. That relationship is not healthy. And we could get into a whole thing about that. But and if you are in a friendship or a relationship with someone who literally just can't tell the truth to save their life, you, they need help. They need to get help. Okay. And you guys like literally probably need professional help because when you come and you may know people in your life that you do not, you could, I know my dad used to say about somebody, he said, if his mouth is moving, he's lying. Anybody ever use that? Um, that? You don't want that to be said about you, first of all. But if you're in a relationship like that, you probably really do need to seek some counseling. Because that, that will destroy, especially a marriage. I mean, a marriage will be over real fast if there's not integrity and honesty there. But a friendship, it'll destroy a friendship. It'll destroy a parent and child relationship. Um, so integrity is huge. Number six, respect respect, finding mutual value in one another. And for a relationship to be healthy, there has to be mutual respect. You have to find value in one another. It cannot be one-sided. The other part of that is there needs to be an understanding of one another's boundaries. Boundaries. Everybody say boundaries. Okay. Knowing what those boundaries are and respecting those. Okay. Uh, and this, I'll just say... <clears throat> This is a really important thing, and um, during our Q&A, next time we do our Q&A, we've had some questions come in about this specific topic, about boundaries <coughs> with in-laws, <laughs> okay? And they're anonymous, so I don't know who asked the question, <laughs> okay? I don't know. You and Jesus know. But this really is an important part of a relationship, um, when God brings two people together, they become one in the holy, in holy matrimony, right? And obviously you marry that person and you're going to marry that person's family, okay? You're going to inherit some things, okay? Good or bad, all right? But there's got to be boundaries to where the two of you can be a married couple, Okay. Um, and this, those of you that are newlyweds, or you could be, have been married for 20 years, or you could be not married yet, whatever the case may be, you need to really identify those boundaries and be on the same page. Okay. Be on the same page. When my husband and I got married, we lived in different states from his parents first, and then we moved out here, and then we were in a different state than my parents. And so we had to come up with a plan for our holidays. We weren't going to spend every single holiday with his family just because they lived here. And he was, he was good with that. He, was, he wanted me to be able to see my family. 
And so we came up with a plan that every other Christmas, we'd do Christmas here with his family one year, and the next year we did Christmas with my family. And everybody understood that. My parents understood it. I understood it. His parents understood. Everybody was on the same page. And if you have to have a family meeting, <laughs> have that so that everyone can be on the same page to avoid conflict in the future, especially at the holidays. Holidays are already stressful. They're already, there's already so much going on. And to have to worry about offending the in-laws or somebody being offended because you didn't spend enough time at their house or whatever the case is, it is very important that you are on the same page and you understand each other's boundaries. Okay, that's in an in-law marriage relationship. But any other a friendship, your friend should know your boundaries. Okay, if you're not a hugger, <laughs> and this is just kind of a simple example, you should tell them, you know, okay, I'll hug you, <laughs> but it's really uncomfortable. They shouldn't tackle you every time they see you. That's respecting boundaries, okay? And that's kind of a silly example, but it could be extreme. There are some people who are very much not physical people. And if you get in their bubble, they shut down. And you need to be able, I've, I've used this term a few times over the last few weeks, read the room. Read the room. <laughs> if you're coming on too strong and you can tell by the look on their face, don't be like, I gotta kick it up a notch. I gotta bring it on stronger, okay? That's your sign to back off a little, <laughs> right? And respecting each other's boundaries in a friendship, in a marriage, in whatever relationship you're in, that is huge, all right? So that's, that's where that respect comes in, all right? Um, but be very open. Again, the, it goes back to the other one we talked about, and that's communication. Don't expect them just to know, okay? You've got to have that conversation. And it may not be an easy conversation, okay? You know, mother-in-law may be like, but I want you at my house every single Christmas. You know, my mother-in-law did not do that. Don't worry. She was amazing about it. My mom was amazing about it. They just understood, okay? And then guess what? There may be times that you and your spouse just want to do Christmas with just you and your spouse, and that's okay. All the in-laws, all the people who have married children right now want to slap me. No, I, I'm just saying, okay, just have that conversation. Respect each other's boundaries. There, there's been times that my husband and I, we just want to be on vacation, just us. I don't, you know, I want to just go with just my husband and my children, now we're getting into the thing when every time we talk about vacations now, they're like, can the boyfriends come? <sighs> like it, and my husband's response is, if they pay for it. <laughs> That's every time. He's like, if they're going to pay for it, they can. <laughs> and so and there's times when it's fine. Like one of, when we went to uh, Disney World this last time, there was at some point one of them was with us almost every day. And it was fine. It was totally fine. Like we, we love the guys. Okay. If they ever get on our nerves, we're just going to put them on an airplane, send them back home. Be like, bye-bye. I love you. These are our boundaries. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, thankfully we were, in fact, we had a conversation. Was it today? Yeah. Today about the next, you know, where we're going to go as a family next. And, um, Cameron said, can Marco come? And Brooke goes, let's just not have the boyfriends. Let's just, we're going to have a lifetime with them. <laughs> I was like, 
she was like, check, I got points. <laughs> so she may be just setting herself up. So we're like, you know what? Lamarck can come. <laughs> no. But anyway, you just, you need to have that time and there needs to be boundaries there where, and your in-laws may not want you around all the time. <laughs> so, so they may just be being nice and be like, oh yes, we'd love for you to be here. <laughs> Bring all your kids. Yes. I'd love that. You know, so maybe give them an opportunity to be like, oh, okay, that's fine. That's totally fine. If you want to spend this July 4th at home, that's so fine. Thank you, God. You know, they may need that. So you never know. Just have open communication. The last one is forgiveness. And we've talked about forgiveness before. But every relationship, friendship, marriage, whatever it is, every relationship that is a close relationship at some point will be tested. Every single one. There will be broken trust at some point in your marriage, in your dating, in your friendships, with your kids, whatever. There will be broken trust at some point. There will be unmet expectations. There will be a misunderstanding along the way. It's just inevitable. But the difference between a healthy relationship and an unhealthy relationship is if there's forgiveness present and mercy. And I use this quote by John Calvin back when I talked about uh, Joshua, or Joseph, I'm sorry. Um, back at the beginning of the year, he said, John Calvin said, ignorance of our own faults is the only cause that renders us unwilling to forgive our brethren. We've got to remember that we are all humans. <laughs> We're all flawed humanity. We're all sinners saved by grace. And we've got to be willing to forgive and I know we could talk in depth at this. All of us probably know somebody in our lives who they have not been able to forgive for things for years and years and years, and they are just bitter, miserable people who cannot smile or laugh. They can't have healthy relationships. Because if you cannot forgive, first of all, biblically, you can't receive forgiveness. So if you have unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody and you pray that God forgives you for something, he does not hear you. And that's not, that's the Bible. The Bible says that. And so every day we need to be asking God, search my heart because I know I'm going to sin. I know I'm a human being. I'm going to say something I shouldn't. I'm going to think something about somebody that I shouldn't. And I'm going to have to go to God and I'm going to ask him to forgive me. And I need there to be a clean slate there. And so if there's unforgiveness in your heart and you may be totally justified because that person did you wrong. But forgiveness is about you and your relationship with God. It's not really about them, okay? And we've, we really have gone into that. I went into that a little bit before. But, you know, uh, Joseph really was a great example of that. He made a decision to forgive. And that's what, forgiveness is a decision. I'm deciding that I'm not going to hold you at fault anymore for that. I'm not, I'm not going to ask God to even punish you for that. And that's hard, especially if it was a really deep hurt or betrayal. We sometimes just, we, you know, we're like, okay, I'll forgive them because I know God's going to get them. But forgiveness is, God, I don't, you, I don't want you to even punish them. God, I'm asking you to forgive them. That's, and that's a decision. It's a very intentional decision. And it's not one that you just make one time. It's every day. Because we, we can forgive, but it's hard to forget. 
right? We remember the hurt. We remember the word said. We remember those things. And so every time that comes up and you start feeling those, oh, that, that hurt come up again and you feel like, man, I want to get them back. I want revenge or God, you get them. It's a daily decision. Nope, God, I forgive them and I'm asking you to forgive them. And when you can get to that point that you are asking God to withhold judgment from them and punishment from them, then you can really say you've forgiven. Amen? But in a relationship, you have got to be willing to forgive. All right? Few things can move us toward our potential, like being part of a healthy relationship. Being in, God intended us to, to be together. Remember, it's not about me it's about we <laughs> right that's our motto i love that those guys are so funny if you if you came in late and didn't see the video i might have to play it for you at the end again because it's so great um and as i close this out there's a field down the road from my house and there have been two different occasions i have seen something so weird and strange that i had never seen before and I've driven by, in fact, one time I literally put my life at risk because I stopped in the middle of the road <laughs> because I was trying to get a picture of it. It was crazy. I looked out into this field and there was a whole huge flock of vultures, which I hate vultures with all my heart. I wish I could actually hunt vultures and I would kill them all. I hate them. They're disgusting animals. And there's this whole group of vultures out in this field that obviously were feeding on something that had died, probably a deer out there. And I looked and right smack in the middle of these vultures was a bald eagle. And I thought, what is he doing out there? Why are you with the vultures? You are America's symbol get out of those vultures, get up in the sky. I mean, I was, it irritated me. I was like, what is he doing? And so the first time I saw it, I was like, this is a crazy thing. I called my husband. I was like, you won't believe what I just saw. And then I start Googling it, of course, you know, because I got to figure out why, like what's happening. There's got to be some deep meaning to this. And then I saw it a few weeks later, I saw it again. And that's when I stopped in the middle of the road and almost got hammered by another vehicle. And I was like, it's fine. I'm just trying to see why the eagles with the vultures, okay? Um, if I was trying to get a picture, I couldn't get a picture because they were too far away. But it reminded me of this story of the eagle and the chickens. Now I have chickens and this would be an offensive story to them. So I'm not going to tell it to them. But it's a story of a farmer who finds a baby eagle chick, takes it home to his farm, and feeds it, puts it in with his chickens, and starts to raise it with his chickens. This eagle being raised among the chickens begins to believe himself to be a chicken. He acts like a chicken. He eats like a chicken. He has these powerful wings to soar, but he doesn't use them. He walks on the ground like chickens. He struts around in the mud and the filth of the barnyard with the chickens and lives like a chicken until finally one day another eagle flies by. And he asks the eagle, what in the world are you doing down here with the chickens? And the eagle says, well, I am a chicken. And the eagle says, no, you're not. Look at your wings. Look at those powerful talons that you have. Look at yourself compared to those that you're hanging around. 
Look at yourself compared to the chickens. You're not a chicken, you're an eagle. You have power to soar into the sky. And finally, as the story goes, the eagle spreads his wings, soars into the sky, realizes the power that he has, and flies off into his destiny. And that's a really good inspirational story. But I want you to evaluate your relationships tonight. Evaluate the people that you are surrounding yourself with. And if they don't meet those seven characters, and there's others that we could talk about, but it's just really the beginning. These seven characteristics of a healthy relationship. And then evaluate yourself. Am I being mutually inspiring to the people around me? Am I being mutually um, encouraging? Am I honest? Am I, do I try to weasel out of things when I'm called on it? You know, evaluate yourself and make sure that you are contributing just as much as you're receiving in your relationships. Why don't we stand? Did everybody get the blanks? All right, good deal. God intended for us to be around other people, to have relationship with one another, but it's got to be healthy. And so I want us to pray that God would serve. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.